0: Please remain behind the yellow stripes until your test vehicle comes to a complete stop. Watch your step as you enter the vehicle. It is my job to protect all the animals of this reserve. Skyracosaurus. Not our dino. W.
1: Your Information
2: Station Welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this, my friends, is show number 103 for the week of January 25th, 2009. I'll start off this week's show with some news from Walt Disney World, including some information about new interactive experiences coming to the parks, as well as the upcoming Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival. Walt Disney World is a place where anyone and everyone can feel like a kid again, make their dreams come true, and enjoy all of what makes it so truly magical. And when I say everyone, I mean just that, as Disney is one of the best, most accommodating vacation spots for people with special needs. In this week's very special roundtable, I'm joined by a number of guests some of whom are authors of books about traveling to and touring around Walt Disney World with special needs, while others have unique needs of their own. And if you think that this segment might not apply to you or someone you know, you might be very surprised about what you hear. My next interview is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. In response to a number of questions I received about this very topic, I'm going to talk about Walt Disney World and its connection to the breakup of the Beatles. Now, you might not know how the two are linked, but I'm joined by May Pang, companion to John Lennon, who's going to talk about what took place at Disney's Polynesian Resort, as well as John's visits to Walt Disney World with his son. It's an interesting look back at some of the private times of a celebrity in Walt Disney World and the historic event that took place there. I'll announce the winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest and we'll challenge you once again this week with yet another contest. I'll have a couple of announcements before I end the show, play back some of your voicemails, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. In this week's Walt Disney World news, let's start right off with the food update because the walls are down and the Golden Oak Outpost quick service location in Frontierland looks great. According to some photos sent to me by some listeners, there's also a very well-themed outdoor seating area adjacent to it. I'm really looking forward to trying out their fried chicken sandwich as I understand the new location is now open for business. It's located directly across from Pecos Bills, Tall Tale Inn, and Cafe as you walk towards Adventureland and the Breezeway towards Caribbean Plaza. As I mentioned last week, construction is well underway in Tomorrowland on the new stage show and dance party, Stitch's Supersonic Celebration, which is set to open probably sometime in April. According to the concept art, which is now available at the new DisneyWorld.com website, which launched last week and I have to say looks great, It appears as though the show is going to use an interactive Stitch character, but not like a live-action character, one that's going to be displayed on a large screen behind the stage. Similar to what you experience over in Turtle Talk with Crush, Stitch is actually going to have the ability to see guests and interact with them while they're out there on the stage. It's really another step for Disney into this interactive as opposed to passive entertainment that we've started to see a real trend towards with new attractions and things coming to the parks. Uh, I think we're really starting to see new offerings in what Disney terms, their Living Character Initiative, not just th- with things like Crush and Stitch, but with things like Mr. Potato Head in Toy Story Mania, and things that we caught glimpses of with Lucky the Dinosaur and Muppet Mobile Labs. I'm looking forward to see what the Stitch Supersonic Celebration looks like when it opens in just a couple of months. Over in Epcot, a listener told me that they might have had a sneak peek at what may be coming to the new IBM exhibit that I spoke about last week over in Interventions. He told me that during what was either a beta or trial phase, he was brought into what they called a scanning booth that recorded different movements that the cast members would ask them to do, everything from running in place to jumping and even sort of a celebration dance. He said the movements were scanned, And then they were placed into a video game, which brings you and your character through a number of sort of scrolling scenes where your previous movements that they scanned and took pictures of earlier were digitized and put right into the games. So he said, like, when the game was done, his virtual body did his little victory dance that he recorded. Um, I'm going to hold off on any other details, uh, give us a chance to find out exactly what's going to happen when it debuts. But yet again, here's another example of an interactive exhibit ...that showcases new technology. I, for one, am really looking forward to seeing this. First stop, Interventions. Next stop, Madden 2012. Finally, over in Epcot, get ready... ...because the 16th annual Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival... ...is going to be running from March 18th through May 31st, 2009. And whether you're a flower fan or have a green thumb or not... ...the beautiful flowers and the plants and the topiaries coupled with a wide variety of exhibits and activities geared towards gardening and lots of different types of outdoor fun makes this really something that I think the whole family can enjoy. And it's not a hard-ticketed or or extra-added event. It's something that's included with your Epcot admission. This year, Cinderella, Prince Charming, Snow White, The Seven Dwarfs, Sleeping Beauty, Prince Philip, Belle, and Beast are all going to welcome guests as part of the Future World sort of front-entrance topiary display during the 75-day festival. And then this year, there's going to be new gardens, events, children's play areas, offering even more reason to come and visit. So, for example, there's a new green garden exhibit that teaches you how to create an environmentally friendly garden, Pixie Hollow, where there's going to be topiaries of Tinkerbell and her fairy friends, the Pirate Adventure Zone, which sounds cool to me, Peter Pan, Captain Hook, croc topiaries in an, an interactive adventure area, the special environmentality celebration is going to be April 24th through the 26th. That's a special event that's going to showcase how to keep the planet green through reducing waste and using friendly bugs. Of course, there's the more than 70 topiaries, the floral beds, the exhibits with 30 million blooms, the fragrance garden, Minnie's butterfly garden, which is very cool, the English tea garden, the art of bonsai in Japan. So much going on there. And at night, the flower power concerts are really sort of the highlight of of the evening with shows every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 5 15, 6 30, and 7 45 over at the America Gardens Theater. Again, these are all included with Epcot Admission. The concert lineup this year is going to feature new acts like Harold Melvin's Blue Notes, plus old favorites like Davy Jones, the Monkey's Guy, Chubby Checker, and the Wildcats, Tony Orlando, without Dawn, Jose Feliciano, and Herman Hermits. For more information about the 16th Annual Festival, you can go to disneyworld.com slash flower. I'll link that up in the show notes. Or you can call 407-W-DISNEY. That's all the news I have this week. But if you want to discuss anything, if you have news that you want to share, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or come by the forums over at disneyworldtrivia.com. Walt Disney World is such an incredibly magical place for so many people and for so many reasons. And much of what we enjoy in and about Walt Disney World, many of us, I think, take for granted, whether it's the ability to experience an attraction to its fullest or even just enjoy a signature meal at one of their fine restaurants. But I continue to say that Walt Disney World is the best of the best. And when it comes to accommodating people with special needs, health issues, or other limited abilities, that holds true more than ever. So today, what I wanted to do was take a look at Walt Disney World for people with special needs. And I have to say right from the outset that I don't like using that statement because as you're going to see here, as we're going to prove, if you think that special needs might not apply to you, you may be very surprised. So instead, we're going to maybe think of these as as challenges that each of us have when we tour the parks. So What I thought I would do was assemble a panel of people who can best speak to touring Walt Disney World with a variety of health-related issues and challenges that affect how and maybe even when they visit the parks. So what I want to do is introduce them one by one and ask each of you to please take a minute to explain maybe what makes your Walt Disney World experience unique. And uh, first along the virtual roundtable is Larry Heidenberg. Larry, welcome. Welcome.
3: Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. In my case, uh, I get two for the price of one. I figure, what the heck, in for a penny, in for a pound. In my case, I've got both a mobility problem and a latex allergy. The mobility problem is one that's, well, in the last few years acquired, so I've toured the parks fully mobile as well as having to use an ECV so I can speak on both ends of the scale. And the latex allergy, that's unfortunately one that took, oh, maybe five, six years to gather up, and it's one I'm stuck with for the rest of my life, for sure.
2: Great. Well, Larry, thank you for joining us. Um, Sitting next to you in cyberspace is Chet McDonnell. Chet, again, welcome to the show.
4: Uh, Thanks. Uh, My special need or challenge, uh, as you put it, is uh, that I don't have arms and I have shortened legs, so... I have my own wheelchair that I travel in, and um, it is a powered chair that I drive, and it is uh, shorter than an ECB. So there are uh, quite a few differences and quite a few new things to, to explore when going to Walt Disney World.
2: Excellent. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, next to you is sitting Josh Olive. Josh, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Lou. I represent uh, folks who are built on a slightly different scale than uh, your average... Uh, tenders of the park i suppose i'm about six foot six and a little over 400 pounds so i see the park from a different perspective uh oftentimes very cramped one
2: absolutely and uh and really to to evidence the fact that these aren't just the only special needs that people visiting the parks may have and to show you maybe what some of your and and my special needs excuse me might be are Deb Wills and Deb Coma? They're authors of the Open Mouse Guide to Visiting Walt Disney World with Special Needs. Of course, you also know Deb Wills from allears.net. Deb and Debs, or, or Debs plural, welcome <laughs> both of you to the show.
5: Thanks, Lou. Thank you, Lou. Um, As you mentioned, Debbie and I um, have had the honor of working together on two editions of a guide for folks with special challenges, as we like to call it, to Walt Disney World, and um, have worked with Larry, Chet, and Josh on on both the editions of the book. Um, They were a great help. We not only cover what you might think of as traditional special needs, as you called them, but also a whole range of, of other challenges, such as ADHD in autism, special diets, fears, um, if you're pregnant or traveling with an infant, uh, seniors, et cetera, et cetera. And in addition to having experience bringing folks with special challenges to Disney on a vacation uh, many years ago, and also being involved with the book, I have my own uh, issues with food, severe food allergies, and I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I also have some motion sensitivity issues. Yes, and
0: and as you said, Lou, you know, um, a lot of people may not think that they have a special need or, or face special challenges themselves, but more and more these days, I think, you know, with extended families taking vacations together, there's bound to be somebody in your group that is going to be dealing with some difficulty, some challenge, and uh, so if you're sensitive to the needs of everybody in your party, um, you'll find that maybe there's somebody who's a vegetarian or maybe there's a senior in your group, Um, and I myself am fortunate that I I don't have um, any of these special challenges myself, but I certainly have family members and friends um, that I've traveled with and have had to uh, help them find special accommodation for some of the things that they face, so
2: right and, and it that's really where, is
0: I'm sorry it's it's something that I think uh a topic that applies to everyone really
2: right, and we're going to talk about how Disney helps to accommodate uh all these people and their families, and you helped make my point is that the the special needs or challenges is such a tough word because I don't want people to think that it makes reference to a disability because like you said, deb Debs <laughs> whether it's pregnancy or back pain, <clears throat> excuse me. A fear of the dark. I mean, a lot of these special needs don't necessarily manifest themselves physically. They are emotional and psychological, whether it's anxiety or or claustrophobia or, like you said, even just, I've traveled with special needs because I've traveled with a young infant. Right. And I've also traveled with a wife. My wife, God bless her, sainthood is definitely in her future. (laughs) I took her to Walt Disney World in the summer, eight months pregnant, and I made her do the Keys to the Kingdom tour. Wow. One of the many reasons why she'll be canonized.
0: Yes.
2: But I thought maybe we would talk before we get to touring the parks. I think a lot of people have the fear maybe of going to Walt Disney World and obviously planning anybody planning a trip to Walt Disney World planning is so so very important. Do you have any information and I'll throw this out to all of you for people Before they go, things that they should do, especially if you have one of these challenges that you need to do that maybe, you know, others might not think about.
1: Well, I would certainly suggest uh, that people, I'll toot your horns for you here, Deb, visit allears.net. There is a page (laughs) devoted to so many different special challenges that will help you uh, find what you need to know before you go.
5: Thank you. (laughs)
1: I made sense of it
5: myself, so oh, I know. <laughs> well, I think as you're talking, research is by far the most important thing to do. Um, because it's not just what happens when you're at Walt Disney World, but it's also traveling to get there. And depending on what your challenge is, you may have to take different things into consideration. Whether you're flying or taking an auto train or driving, depending on the group you're going with, there's a lot of different considerations. Um, we could start and the, the list is endless, but it goes everything from, you know, talking with your doctor and getting in shape and, and going down a very lengthy checklist of all the things that you need to have with you um, right up until knowing all about the parks and where you're going to stay. So there's the pre-planning um, before the actual trip itself at Walt Disney World that you need to focus on, too.
2: Well, Chet and, and Josh, I'll actually throw this out to you. Did you do before your first trip, did you do a lot of research you know, really looking for in depth information about the attractions and the descriptions and limitations and maybe what to expect before you got to the parks.
4: You know, what's kind of funny is that uh, this is Chet. When I first, my first trip to Walt Disney World uh, upon high school graduation, I didn't do my research and did not know that the airlines would fly my powered wheelchair uh, to Orlando and that not only that, but that at the time. Uh, Mears was kind of the way to go before Disney's Magical Express, and that Mears would have picked me up at the airport and taken me to my resort. And so I wound up being in Walt Disney World in a manual push wheelchair and anybody that has ever uh, been in a wheelchair for very long that you can control and then has to rely on somebody to push you around knows how infuriating that can be. Um, As I like to say, no one is as good of a driver as I am. So... uh, (laughs) It's one of those things where when I went again uh, a few years later and started doing some research and started finding out, okay, what is available as far as, you know, I, I knew from, from being down there that, that Disney would take care of me once I was there. I just didn't understand the part of getting to Disney from Dallas-Fort Worth. And once I figured that part out, uh, that made a huge difference. Uh, so I, I second and third, uh, the, the comments I already made is that research beyond just, uh, even uh, websites and and, um, and the suppliers, but get on the, the message boards uh, that we're all pretty familiar with and find people uh, with special needs, special challenges like yours and find out what they've done before because uh, people have done this before. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel.
1: Absolutely. I agree 100% with that. I went to Disney World a lot when I was a kid, And then there was a long spell of nine or ten years where I didn't go. And I changed a lot in that time. And uh, as I got ready to go, and I thought, well, I'd better look and see how my memory stacks up with how things actually are now. And I mean, there's a whole new park, Animal Kingdom, and there were a whole lot of, of things that I needed to research. And I'm very, very glad I put the time and effort into doing that. And it made me have a much more enjoyable experience when I had my first trip back after a long hiatus.
3: I'll throw out something also, Lou. We've talked about, gee, how great it is. Well, something that most people unfortunately don't know. When it comes to dealing with any kind of challenge, Disney is pretty much the best of the best, to use one of your favorite lines. They really know what to do, unlike virtually anywhere else in the world. I'd say if you were looking at it from any sort of special challenge standpoint, You've got to actually break it down to where to go, and that place, I always would recommend Disney, because they can help you handle whatever you've got going, when to go, how to go, and once you get there, where to be, where to stay, as well as what places within the Walt Disney World Resort to go.
2: Excellent. And we're going to talk specifically about resorts and transportation, but I have a question you know, that I'll throw out generally, maybe Either the Debs, you might be able to answer. And because we can't cover, obviously, every sort of challenge that people might go with, it, it, this doesn't apply to everybody. But if somebody is thinking about going, especially maybe if they're thinking about going alone, would you ever advise somebody of, of maybe contacting Disney ahead of time or through their travel agent or whatever it might be, letting them know of if they have a medical condition ahead of time? Or, say, for example, if you're going down alone and you're prone to seizures or if you need medications letting them know before you get there so they might be able to be better prepared to help you out if possible?
0: Well, I, I think that you definitely can um, let them know for certain things. I'm not so sure that there is a lot that they would do for you in advance if um, you're talking about somebody with a seizure um, disorder. Um, but definitely if you're... Uh, experiencing mobility issues, um, you can talk to people and they will advise you on uh, places to stay, what rooms to stay and things like that. And um, they can help you with some things, um, definitely. So there is some advantage to calling them um, in advance.
2: And we all know about the the ease and accessibility and the wonderful different modes of transportation, whether it's monorails, buses, watercrafts, obviously take or, or bring your own car. Let's talk about maybe transportation, getting around the resort. Um, And I think this, again, affects each of you in different ways. Do you find that getting around the resort um, is easy? How You know, is one way easier than another? Or maybe what kind of tips would you give to somebody who's coming down?
5: I think a lot depends on what the individual special challenge is. For instance, um, if you're dealing with someone in your family who's autistic, for instance, um... They may not have a lot of patients waiting in a long line at a bus stop, and it might be a situation where your car is much better for getting in and out. You don't have to wait. Um, You would go at a a less crowded time, those kind of things. It's really very specific. I'm sure Chet um, can talk to some of the trials and tribulations, and Larry too, of, of being at Walt Disney World in a chair. because. Um, for all of their special challenges that, that Disney accommodates for. They're probably one of the best, if not the best in the world, but they're not perfect. And so there are things that have to be worked out. And of course, a great deal of patience comes into play too. Um, and maybe the guys can talk a little bit more to, to traveling in a wheelchair.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of one of my big things is is the less I can spend the less time I can spend on a bus, the better. Or, or getting on the bus is such a, a, um, a situation of, um, I don't know, sometimes a comedy of errors when it comes to uh, trying to educate the bus drivers on you know, where the best place to tie down spots on my wheelchair uh, is. And, and beyond that, uh, some want you to go this way on the ramp, and some have this, they say, you can go either way. And basically it comes down to what you, be sure that you're comfortable with and as one bus driver um, very strongly told me one time when I was relaying a message of how another bus driver had barely tied my chair down, and that was that it's important for you to feel safe on the bus. And so whatever that means uh, in terms of tying down a wheelchair or uh, sitting or standing or whatever that the case might be, if you'll just let them know, hey, I'd feel more secure, more safe if you would do this for me, um, they're generally... Um, very happy to accommodate you and and again disney being one of the best at accommodations um, but my preference is to be able to stay where the monorail is easily accessible or um, you know the boat um, back around the the boardwalk area is great as well because neither one of those requires a tie down which is awesome as far as saving time to
3: And for me, I've had both the best and the worst. Uh, If One tip I'd definitely recommend to almost anybody. Take the main number for Disney along with you and keep it in your cell phone because sometimes you'll want to call and say, hey, I'm at X, I want to get to Y, I'm using a wheelchair, a scooter, a whatever... I've got this challenge, how do I best get from point A to point B? Because sometimes you're going to find that you can get there from here, but not the way you would normally expect to go. I can tell you from personal experience, as bad as the fear of the bus may be, and it's more fear than bad experience, I have to say that the boat at Wilderness Lodge, the boat that takes you over to the Magic Kingdom, was my personal biggest challenge simply because we were able to board the boat, no problem, at the Magic Kingdom to go back over to the Wilderness Lodge. But when we got to the Wilderness Lodge, the water level was too low to be able to even get out. Nobody bothered to warn me about that. So my wife and I ended up lifting my uh, scooter out of the boat and up onto the dock. And in the process, managed to knock her in the head with the scooter. Not a recommended mode of transportation, I have to say. That's one advantage of staying over at the boardwalk, beach club, or yacht club, or or the Swan and Dolphin. Those boats, the friendship launches, you drive right on, you drive right off. You will never be worrying about, is the water level at the right level for the dock? It's nice, it's easy, it's simple. When you go to the Wilderness Lodge or the uh, Port Wilderness area by boat, you may or may not get there the way you expect. For that area, (laughs) the bus is definitely the way to go. And this is from somebody who once spent 45 minutes stuck halfway on the uh, bus wheelchair lift trying to go up and down because they couldn't get the thing to move I still recommend the buses much more strongly than I recommend that particular boat line.
2: Well, you you touched on where I wanted to go next, which was the resorts. And again, I I ask any of you to comment about what types of special accommodations might be available. And again, I know it's it's very specific. And do you feel that there are any resorts that you find better or worse or more accommodating for for people with, with special challenges?
5: Well, I think Chet said it very well a few minutes ago in that the Epcot Resort area is really primo location because um, you don't have to get on a bus or a boat or the monorail if you don't want to, to get to two of the parks. You do have easy monorail access through Epcot. Um, It's probably the best location for... Uh, Access The problem with that location is unfortunately it's all deluxe resorts right there unless you happen to be a Disney Vacation Club member and then you can stay there. But the value in the moderate resorts are all uh, totally dependent upon bus transportation and that's when you have to look at things before you go down and say is a rental car or a van better for us or shall we just go and take Magical Express to the resort and then use Disney transportation the whole time? And it really depends on your individual needs. Some folks do really well walking around. Uh, Caribbean Beach, to me, is is one of the most beautiful resorts that Disney has, Um in the moderate value category, yet it's so spread out, if mobility is an issue for you in, in any degree, you know, you're gonna want a car or you're gonna want easy access to stay right where the food court and the main building is. So you really have to look at your particular case, the group that you're traveling with, and figure out what will be best for you. And this I too- I go-
4: agree because if you're talking about Caribbean Beach, I agree that it's, it, it looks great, but I would never stay there because right. of experiences that I've had before of being the one that was uh, across the resort from, from the main building. And to have to get on an internal shuttle and go all the way around and have the whole tie-down process, and see, that just ruins it. The other one for me that just uh, I can't do because I've done before, and, and not that it was Disney's fault, but just the layout is, is exhausting, is Fort Wilderness and the cabins. Um, mm-hmm. I love the cabins. I love the way they the uh, the way they look, the way they um, how many they sleep. It was perfect for the group that I was going with. But in terms of riding a, a bus to get on a bus, um, that just um, totally blew out the the, um, the fun of the trip uh, to a large extent. You know, until you get to the park. So you're exactly right in that. Here's two resorts that people might love uh, who have different challenges.
3: Lou, let me throw one out there also to ask of Josh, since, you know, although you wouldn't think it since the, when I use a scooter, obviously, I'm not at my maximum height. Heck, Lou, I'm actually significantly shorter than you when I'm sitting in one of those scooters.
2: Well, we have to do the parks together then.
3: <laughs> right. But uh, when I'm standing at normal height, I'm about one, and... Josh, being six, I think you said you're six four. Do you have issues of which resorts or which category of room at the various resorts you can stay in simply so that you don't have half your body on the bed and the other half just hanging in the breeze?
1: Lord, yes. <laughs> uh, if I get a king bed, um, I'm okay.
5: And that's a happy Josh. If uh, if we end up in a room we get
1: stuck in, uh, say, one of the, uh, the value resorts and we've got two uh, double beds, that is murder. It makes for a very uncomfortable trip because when I come home every night and I'm stuck in this small bed and I'm hanging off the side of it or I'm in one bed and my wife's in the other, and, uh, yes, you hit the nail on the head, it, does, it takes some of the magic out of the trip.
2: Well, what about those of you with ECVs and wheelchairs you know, obviously the room sizes vary greatly as well. You know, the room size you're going to get at an all-star resort is going to vary differently from, you know, one of the beach club. Is that an issue as well? Is there ever an issue about getting your chair in and out of some of the categories of hotels?
3: I can say without a doubt, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I even just comparing, as they say, not all deluxes are equally deluxe because I'd stayed, I've gone in 2007, or 2006 and 2007 unfortunately didn't make it in 2008 2006 I was staying at Beach Club 2007 over at Wilderness Lodge and at the Beach Club a standard room no problem had enough room for me the ECV my wife our luggage anything we needed at the Wilderness Lodge we were first assigned into a standard room and there's only one problem Pulled the ECV in, you could get it in, you could come around the room somewhat. You just couldn't get the ECV anywhere within, oh, say, 10 feet of a power outlet. And without (laughs) that, um, it isn't going very far. (laughs) So we had to transfer into a handicap accessible room just so that I'd have enough room to bring in the ECV and have an outlet I could plug into.
4: Yeah, I, I could second that and say that, that definitely um we were we were just there recently um over the Christmas holidays and uh we're D V C members so we stayed in the middle of the week at Saratoga and, and the um, bookends of the week we started at Port Orleans one night and then ended at Pop Century another night. And uh both of those two nights uh we were in standard rooms and the standard room at Port Orleans Riverside was fine. Uh, plenty of room to park my chair, plenty of room to, to uh, room for, to a power outlet, room to get luggage in, all that was great. At Pop Century, um, the only problem we had was it was very difficult to close the door because by the time I got my chair in, I couldn't go any further. So mm-hmm. once I was in, if everybody wasn't already in the room, then I blocked the entrance. And once I was in, then uh, we had trouble actually getting the door to close because I had to pull forward, and then somebody had to close the door and then pull back, and it was this ballet of sorts. And, you know, it was just my wife, uh, myself, and our 10-month-old. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't even a huge group of people. I can't imagine trying to do that um, uh, with, a, with a large group. But in the same regard, uh, people need to understand, and this is kind of where research comes in, that some of the accessible rooms... Um, can create problems for people with special challenges. Um, for me, for instance, uh, the the typical accessible room, which Disney tends to have two different ones. One is an accessible room with a tub with uh, rails and, uh, and a kind of just a larger space, and then another one that is a complete roll-in shower. Um, but the problem with both of those is a uh, raised toilet, which makes it difficult because I'm not that tall. And so you've got to know what rooms have what things And again, it's where research comes into play in knowing um, exactly what you're going to need. And there are some trade-offs when you don't have as much space, but you do have the the amenities that you need.
3: Yeah, actually, that brings up a great point that people need to realize, just like you don't want to use the word special needs, Lou, and I can understand that. But even in the category, the broad category of mobility impairment, there's a whole broad range there because I can – let us say, God forbid, Josh, someday you break your foot on before you're going to Disney World and they, trying to be helpful, put you into a handicap room. You'll be able to get down into a king bed, but I think they're probably going to have to call for a crane or a tow truck to get you back up out of the darn thing again because the, some of the handicap beds are much lower than an average bed.
4: Hmm. In fact, we experienced this just on, that, on this trip. Uh, the king bed was really, really low, and I loved it because I'm much shorter than most people. But I do agree that anybody that is of normal height or taller would have significant
1: problems. My family stayed uh, at Port Orleans Riverside just this past October. And this is parents, brothers, sisters, the whole works. There were 15 of us, and uh, that was a special need on its own. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that could be another segment. Um, but my dad had uh, heart surgery a couple of years ago, and he had some some trouble getting around. And we had gotten him an ECV, and everything was all well and good, except that they put us in all upstairs rooms at Port Orleans Riverside Alligator Bayou, and there are no elevators.
0: Hmm. Right. Hmm.
1: So we had to fight for a um, a downstairs room which we got, and it was accessible, uh, handicap accessible, and you're absolutely right. It had a very short king-size bed.
4: Hmm.
1: Luckily, no broken leg at the time. <laughs>
2: hmm. One of the things I want... Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead.
5: No, I was just going to mention the other thing that's important to know. Um if you are traveling with a companion to help you out and you're someone who has um, mobility issues, some of the rooms with king beds don't offer a second bed or have the ability for a pull-out cot, cot, cot to be brought into them. And uh, Wilderness Lodge has been in the past one of the uh, resorts that has this issue. So you really need, again, to research and make sure where you're staying has the type of rooms that will accommodate what your needs are.
2: Yeah. And what I wanted to you know, talk about next was dining at the parks, not just because I'm obsessed with eating at Walt Disney World, but I think this is where a lot more challenges for people may come into play. And I think there's physical challenges as well. You know, thinking about just getting around in a wheelchair, for, for example, mm-hmm. in some restaurants, but maybe Debs and Deb, you can talk about things like allergies and, you know, other sort of dietary restrictions. And how that plays into your ability to go to certain restaurants and and how you would suggest handling that. Do you call in advance? Do you talk to the chef when you're there? What really are some of the, the best strategies for people?
5: Um, again research but yes you do want to contact Disney in advance and there is uh, someone um, I believe she's still Brenda Bennett I think was her, is her name and based out of the Magic Kingdom and she can work with families that have or individuals that have specific food allergies I can tell you that probably the biggest fan mail we get for going to Disney with a special diet are folks who are gluten need gluten free diets or with celiac disease. Um, Disney Disney seems to be one of the few places anywhere that is so very attuned to this that the chefs are very well trained for that particular diet, and they're willing and able to accommodate people uh, to the nth degree. and And we get so many emails from folks who are like, "I can't," you know, "I was so nervous, and I couldn't believe, you know, how great they were when I got there." Um, if you go even up to a counter service. You can ask the person to please either show you the ingredients list, um, which may or may not help you out. But you can also always ask for a chef. One of the things that that I like to recommend, if you're going to be in a theme park, um, go that day when you first get in the park to whatever restaurant you think you might want to eat at. See if they're open or if the quick service is there, and talk to the chef and let them know you'll be back in a few hours for lunch and what your special requirements are. Um, that really works a great deal too. Uh, advanced notice to the restaurants is great help. Um, the one thing that I think Disney has uh, hasn't quite gotten yet is is actually for desserts and food for diabetics. They don't offer carb counts on their food. And the chefs all have different understandings of what types of desserts will work for diabetics and what won't. So that tends to be a continuing learning experience. And I have found that the Disney restaurants that are owned and operated by Disney are much more agreeable to special dietary concerns than the ones that are not. The ones that are not thinking of France or Mexico in Epcot, um, a couple of the downtown Disney places. But I think overall, and, and Debbie, I think you've had some experience with this too, that with mm-hmm. special diets, they, they really do a phenomenal job.
0: They, they do, and they have actually gotten even better, in um, I'd say, in the last year. Um, if you call now to make your advance reservation, they will ask you. Uh, as you're making your reservation, if anybody in your party has a special dietary need. That's just a, a routine question now, and it never used to be. And even when you're seated, um, as I've been going to restaurants the last couple of months, as I'm being seated, they're asking me, again, do you have any special dietary needs? Does anybody in your group need anything special? Um, so I think they're, they're really striving to... Um, be as accommodating as possible. And so while they do have a lot of shortcomings, uh, still, I think they're, they're really working hard to overcome those. And uh, uh, as Debbie was saying, the advance notice, I think, really does help them. They ask, I think, for 72 hours advance notice. Um, and that even works at your resort at the uh, counter service places, at the food courts. If you stop in there when they have a lull, say, between breakfast and lunch, and tell them that at dinner you're going to require, um, say, kosher meals for a party of 10 or something. They will do what they can to accommodate that um, as long as they have adequate notice. Um, So uh, it is, uh, as we're talking, um, I'm hearing even when we're talking about the rooms and things, everything is about doing some research and planning, and it really does come down to you being your own advocate to a large degree. You you know what you're going to need best, and so you really sort of need to speak up and ask. If you have a question about anything, don't be afraid to ask. So...
2: Well, Debbie Coma, I'm going to ask you a, a specific food allergy question that I've received a lot recently. In the past, I've sent them over to to the All Their site or, pardon the shameless plug, to the Open Mouse Book. But even over the the holiday recently, somebody said, you know, my child has a severe, severe peanut allergy, so much so that they cannot be around it, and I'm afraid to take my child to Disney World. Mm-hmm. What happens in a case like that? Are, are people able to call in advance? or I mean, Is this something that people really have to worry about or... or how would Disney handle something like that
0: yeah I think if you call in advance they will give you ingredient lists and they will tell you if things contain peanuts or tree nuts um, and they they do know even at the counter service places even at some of the snack stands and they are very careful about um, cross-contamination also they try not to well they they do have to make sure things don't sort of get mixed together they don't prepare certain foods, and if there is a chance of cross-contamination, they'll tell you that. For example, don't get the French fries here um, because it might be uh, fried in the same oil as fish if you've got a fish allergy, you know, that type of thing. So, yes, definitely, um, they they are sensitive, I think, to nut allergies, and uh, just, again, uh, giving them some advance notice, I think, really is the answer. Okay.
2: And of course, before we end this segment and in my show notes, I'll reference the books and some of these phone numbers so people can actually find where these resources are. But Deb Wills, when you were talking about your diabetes, that made me think about, as we start to maybe go towards the parks, people that maybe need to bring in or take specific medications or even medical equipment, and anybody, I'll throw this out to you, uh, what about things like insulin? Like, are you allowed to bring that in and and will they store it at first aid for you?
5: Uh, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. I've never had a problem bringing in my insulin, um, my syringes or or any of the uh, accompanying uh, items that go with it. In fact, I've had more security guards want to open my camera case to see what's in there than when they feel the pouch that might have the needles in it. It's kind of interesting. But um, there's never been a problem or an issue at all. Uh, Frio, F-R-I-O, actually makes really good products that um, are gel packs that you just activate with water and then they dry themselves out but they're really good for maintaining temperature and I've used them in the parks before. I mean certainly especially if you're at a value and, and you typically have to pay for a refrigerator at, the, at a value resort, you can tell them you need a, a small fridge for medical needs and they'll take care of that for you. You can go to first aid uh, one of the nice things about first aid is that they also have sharps containers if you use syringes or needles and, and want to deposit them if you just want a cool clean place to test or whatever you can do that there Um, they will store medical equipment for you uh to a certain degree, it really depends on what it is. Um, I'm thinking of things like oxygen that there are different rules for. But uh, overall, the, the folks who've manned the first aids at the parks are just uh, wonderful, wonderful folks. Do whatever they can to help you. You just need to know where they are when you enter the park because most of them are closer to the entrance of the park as opposed to back deep in the park.
3: One other thing you need to know, too, is if you do get in trouble, because no matter what, you can always find yourself having made a mistake. Uh, You don't have to go all the way to first aid. Find any cast member. If they've got a pulse and work for the Disney company, they qualify. (laughs) They will get you help faster than you could ever possibly believe because there are ambulances with paramedic crews stationed at all of the parks that can respond in and do whatever help is needed at a moment's notice. That's something actually about doing your homework on this. The biggest thing I can tell people is if you're nervous, not just look up all the things online but if you're going, well, I'm afraid my son has a seizure disorder, and if it were to happen and all like that, how will Disney respond? You can actually call right over or visit to the Reedy Creek Improvement Fire District's uh, headquarters, what I call the Lego station, and they will talk to you, and if they can't put you at ease, then chances are you never leave the house to go anywhere.
2: Right. And and that's one of the points I was going to make, is that Let's be honest, you know, things can and sometimes do happen that maybe cannot be handled at the first aid station in all the parks. And and I don't think people should absolutely not be fearful of that as a reason not to visit Walt Disney World. You know, Reedy Creek EMS, I, I've seen them in action. They, they respond, like you said, A cast any cast member can get. They respond so quickly. Celebration Hospital is close by. And again, maybe... Either the devs or any of you can speak to, you know, I was wondering if people have maybe children or uh, their own certain very special need or very serious condition, maybe are they better served by seeking out a specialist in the area or having their doctor maybe recommend somebody in the area just in case something does go wrong and they do need a, a very, very special type of medical care?
5: Oh, absolutely. You you wouldn't want to travel any place, be it Disney or, or any place else, if you have that type of specialized um, medical concern um, without checking into resources where you're going to. And again, how you're traveling to get to that place as well. Um, Disney is usually really good about transporting folks if um, they have arrangements with uh, one of the local pharmacies, so things can be done there. I think the important thing to remember is Disney is so accommodating. It's just not the panacea. So you use whatever normal common sense things you would do, even if you were going to grandma's house um, and and it was a drive or a distance away. You know, you want to look into the special certain things that you might need for medical issues uh, or whatnot. And you do the same kinds of things when you're going to Walt Disney World.
2: Let's uh, let's go back into the park. Let's talk about the attractions because that's obvious, I think, where a lot of people have – concerns and each of you and each of us have different challenges when we go and I'll, and I'll throw this out to each of you individually. I'll start off with you, Josh. Certainly there has to be a number of attractions where you find a difficulty or an inability to ride Chet and Larry with, with the wheelchairs. Tell us about some of the issues you face, how you deal with them either beforehand or once you get there. Well, first of all,
1: as we have alluded to over and over again, research, Knowing which rides are likely to be ones that you would want to ride, ones that you would be able to get in and ride, uh, that's, that's key. But having been in some uncomfortable and extraordinarily dangerous situations at other theme parks uh, on some attractions, uh, I was on a roller coaster where the safety bar popped up in the middle of a roller coaster that had inversions and whatnot. Uh, so I hang on for dear life, literally, at that point. Uh, I have never felt that level of fear or discomfort on any attraction at Disney World. Um, but that said, certainly some of them are not comfortable. Um, some of the bigger offenders are Spaceship Earth, uh, Splash Mountain, Dinosaur, the Mad Hatter teacups. Those are knee killers. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a tall person, if you could cut your knees off, rides uh, would be much, much better. Uh, But then some of them are wonderful, Uh, Tower of Terror, Expedition Everest, uh, pretty much any of the boat rides, so long as you get to sit in the front seat, uh, they are very accommodating to both size and height.
2: And a number of the attractions, I think, like Expedition Everest have sort of a test vehicle that you can try out before you even get on the train, so you don't have to worry about that happening once you're riding.
1: They do, and that is fantastic. Uh, Expedition Everest is a wonderful example. You can go and it's very discreetly put away where people are not just walking past. And if you have any fears that maybe I'm not going to be able to fit in this ride and I don't want to get on here in front of all these people and then have them try and try to cram me in and, oh, now it's not going to work, you can go back into the village of Sir and you can try it out for yourself and see how it works without exposing yourself to a whole bunch of people and face it, uh, the potential for ridicule.
2: Chat. what about you? Now, obviously, your ability maybe to get in and out of your wheelchair is different than somebody who's in an ECV. What sort of challenges has you found in the parks?
4: Well, very fortunately, I can walk um, short distances and so I'm able to ride anything that I want. Um, One of the neat things about Disney is that they seem to um, give me... Uh, the right to say yes I'm fit to do this or no I'm not fit to do this. Um, there's uh, another park in the area that, that Disney hates for people to mention and so I won't say the U word but I-, I tell you what <laughs> I-, I spent an entire day there of going from ride to ride with supervisors being called and people telling me I couldn't ride because of insurance reasons and it was infuriating mm-hmm. and one of the nice things about Disney is uh, I think only one time has a supervisor been uh, been ever called uh, because of the way I look, and um, and she came and said, look, if this ride stops, are you going to be able to walk um, you know, down a flight of stairs? And I said, sure, and she goes, okay, have fun. So, I mean, it, it was a sense of, look, we've told you what it does, you've read what it does, if you still want to go, then go enjoy it. And one of the nice things, too, is that several of the rides have either um, – a door that comes open that's kind of hidden, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, for example, or Expedition Everest the same way, to allow for a lateral transfer uh, to where I wouldn't even have to, uh, if I didn't want to, leave my chair. I could just go straight across from the chair into the ride. Um, a test Track has a, a completely different loading bay. If you don't want to step down into the ride, you can ask to be lo- loaded at the um, seatbelt check. And they'll take you over there, and you can load um, uh, at a more lateral position. And so, I mean, Disney, again, like we've been saying over and over, is just um, on the ball with how to get um, people onto rides when they want to. Um, the one issue that I've run into is some cast members don't understand the difference between an ECV and a wheelchair, a powered wheelchair. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you just have to say, look, it's not an ECV. And, and according to the disabilities guide, I, I don't have to transfer into a normal chair. This is a normal chair. It has the same length as a normal chair. It, it, it just is powered. And most of the time, they'll, it, it, as long as you treat them with respect, then they either accept that or they ask somebody above them and they accept that and it moves on. I've seen people in the Florida sun just get blazingly mad. Uh, at cast members who are just trying to, to keep you safe. But um, that's the only real difficulty I've run into, and most of the time when you say, oh, it's not an ECV, it's a wheelchair, they go,
1: oh, okay, have fun. So, But well, you really hit the nail on the head there as far as approaching the cast members. I should have mentioned that. When you ask the cast members, uh, where should I ride in this vehicle? will tell you, they know. They've They've had a lot of experience with that, and I have never yet encountered a cast member who is anything other than extremely
2: helpful mm-hmm. well and you, you both made a good point that beyond the courtesy and beyond the the accommodation it's the level of respect that they give you uh, and that seems that, that seems that's to be some something coming from all of you is when you deal with the cast members whether it's a chef whether it's a ride operator whether it's a concierge whoever it may be the level of respect that you get in return uh, it, it seems to be wonderful absolutely
4: yeah yeah totally
0: yes Rather than being exasperated that you're, you're presenting them with this problem, they really, for the most part that I've seen anyway, have gone out of their way to make it work for you to, to be helpful and, and solve the problem with you. Um, you know, especially like with when we were talking about dining. I mean, some of the chefs actually seem happy to have a, a mm-hmm. unique challenge. You know, oh boy, I get to cook something different for a change. <laughs> you know, and uh, I think the cast members are the same way. Well, gee, this is a tro- this is a problem. Let me see how we can figure this out. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think obviously, you know, you're going to run into. Um, No, some the world's not perfect and you may encounter some problems along the way but I think by and large they really are um, working very hard to to make your experience magical as they would say
5: Absolutely. And and one of the things we haven't touched on at all is traveling with a service animal. Um, and not to get too far off of where we are, but service animals are accommodated on a great deal of the rides in the parks. And the cast members, again, are very tuned into this. Um, when you get to the park, just go to guest services. They can give you a special pamphlet for traveling with a service animal, let you know uh, where the general vicinities are for an outlet uh, for your animal. If they they need to um, find some grass, and um, you can also take your service animal into first aid if that's something you want to do because they get overheated um, just as, as much as we do sometimes. So, uh, Disney's very, very good about dealing in all the parks and also at the resorts if you have a dog, or a cat, or monkey, whatever type of service animal you have with you.
2: You know, I haven't quite seen the service monkeys walking around the parks <laughs> yet, but you know. <laughs> and it's, I'm actually happy you brought that up because, unfortunately, one of the roundtable members who couldn't join us tonight uh, was visually impaired, and I was hoping that she would come because a lot of, I have seen a lot of people in the parks, and I wanted her to talk about her challenges and some of the things that Disney does, um, and was, I was also looking for somebody um, who couldn't make it that was uh hearing impaired as well to talk about some of the sign language interpreters and services that are available. Uh, Again, I'm going to reference back to your book because that's the best way for people with these challenges or have adults or children with these challenges to find out more. Um, And the other thing that, you know, we were talking about attractions and not every issue being one that is physical or one that you can see. Things like the nut lights and the noise and the special effects and you know, even the heights and the motion, there's so much to consider. Um, even allergies. I mean, I think about attractions like Sorin and Journey to Imagination with Figment that spray scents into the air. Uh, there's so right. much that you have to take into asthma. consideration.
0: Yeah, asthma and allergies um, are, you know, you can't see them, but the, the people that have them are acutely aware of these things. So, yeah.
3: Lou, I'll throw in one because that's where, aside from mobility, I've got my latex allergy. They're. Since you're a fan of Peter Pan, I'll tell you, there is one Never Never Land for me. Never Never Land for me is, having done it once, I've learned I can never do the um, Lights, Motors, Action stunt show again. Because they use latex in the tire construction. They burn tires. They spin tires. There's a ton of burnt tire smell in the air there. That can put me in the hospital or put me in the ground so that's one that as a latex allergy expert i never thought of until i went and did the attraction and that's one of the reasons why when because i've contributed to the all ears site with the latex allergies that's one of the first updates i ever did was realizing that's a never-never neverland for us
2: hmm. right and somebody might not somebody with the latex allergy might never think about that have they have they not have this resource ahead of time
3: I will throw out one other thing for you, Lou, since I know this is sacrilege to you, but I know Animal Kingdom is one of your favorite parks. For me, it's the least favorite park of all of them for a reason that I suspect that uh, Chet probably would be familiar with. But even with the way everyone ribs you about how short you are, you probably Mm -hmm. don't realize when you're at significantly below average height, there's nothing you can see as a landmark to go by. Because when you're at below average height, you can't see all the landmarks and other clues for adventure and exploring that you see uh, that are so interesting. All we see are the backsides of people and not a heck of a lot else.
2: Good point. And, you know, you you mentioned children, um, and this is something that... I had thought of, you know, because sometimes you, 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 your kids get, could get separated and also because of something that I ran into, a personal experience I had. And the tip that I would give would be, if possible, keep a copy of your medical history or, or needs maybe with you at all times in case your child gets separated from you or in case you somehow get impaired and can't tell somebody what's wrong. Um, I had an issue with somebody I saw had a seizure at the end of an attraction. She was by herself. Nobody had any idea of what her, you know, condition was. What was causing this? If she, if she had any kind of medications, and I, we looked in her purse to try and see if there was something. If she had a medical alert bracelet, I think you probably all would agree that those, um, you know, are vital to have as well.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Mm-hmm. I was a paramedic for twenty years, Lou. A medical alert is not a an optional item these days it's an essential and i'll throw out one thing as you mentioned kids and what if they get separated i'll give you a tip that i've been reading more and more about that everybody should be thinking whether they're they have themselves or their child has a special need or not every morning take a picture with your cell phone of your child in what they're wearing that day because then you don't have to remember they wear the blue shirt or the red shirt or the green shirt. You know exactly, this is what my child looks like today, and you're in much better condition if you should somehow get separated.
5: There, there's one important thing that we haven't mentioned yet, which is a great tool that Walt well, Disney World offers, and that's the guest assistance card. You read my and, mind, or my notes, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> and um What this does, you would go into the guest services at the first park that you go into on your trip. And if you have a special need, you can explain to the cast member what accommodation you might want. Now, a couple examples would be that... Um, You have a vision impairment. You may not be blind, but you may have a a severe vision impairment. And so you need to sit in the first couple rows of whatever movie or attraction that you go into, and they can stamp your card accordingly so that you're able to do that. Um, The card can also be used if you have someone with autism or has fears in terms of crowds, so that you will still wait the same amount of time. In fact, some folks, and I'm sure... Chet and Larry can chime in. You end up waiting longer. Uh, people always think if you have a special special entrance, you're getting fast loaded onto the ride. But um, you can wait in a separate area that's out of the direct sun if you need to, if you have this special card. If you have a youngster, um, there's actually a card stamp you can get. So your stroller is used as a wheelchair in the queues. So in places where normally you would have to park your stroller you have this special stamp on your card, and you can go ahead and take the child with the stroller in further into the attraction. Um, these are just a few things. At, at one point, you could bring a note from your doctor to explain what your... Um, Disability or, or special challenge was, but because of HIPAA and other things, um, Disney cast members really don't want to read them anymore. And the thing to remember is you need to tell them what kind of accommodation you need, what kind of assistance do you need. If you simply walk in and say, I don't see very well, you know, I have, and you rattle off whatever it is, your, your, um, disability might be and they don't understand you need to do the I need to sit in the first couple rows or I need to do this or I need to do that kind of thing
2: great point and I'm really happy to have that you pointed out the fact that you know the guest assistance card is not something that should be used or abused by people and it is not it's not that golden fast pass um, that's going to get you to the front of the line so I'm happy that you cleared that up for us but uh, I think sort of in, in in tying this all together unfortunately We can't cover all possible conditions or needs or sensitivities that people might have, and they really do run the gamut, and it's a very, very wide, wide spectrum. Um, But I think we could probably all agree that as long as you do your research ahead of time, as long as you give proper notice where applicable, do you all feel that Disney probably can accommodate your needs or or your family's or your child's needs, for the most part, whatever they might be? I think so.
3: Disney can cover 95% of what people need. There's always 5% that just falls outside of what they or anyone else can do. But 95% of the time, they'll find a way to make it work.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. You Consider how many years they've been in business, how many millions of people have walked through the turnstiles. Um, They've pretty much seen it all. And um, if they haven't figured out how to deal with a situation, they are as I said earlier, really willing to work with you and, and, you know, figure out what's going to make your, your special situation work. So, um, yeah, I think 95%, that's probably, um, uh, a good, a good mm-hmm. number. Yeah.
2: And you feel that they're, they're always adapting. They're always improving. I would assume that the more they learn, the more they see.
0: I think so. Yeah. And I've seen arena. improvements just in a few, yeah. in, in the last couple of years. So, yeah.
1: And with all the resources that are available right now to to find out before you go, as well as Disney's willingness to work with you, I think that people who have that fear that maybe I shouldn't go, I wouldn't get to do anything, or this situation may may make things difficult, Disney really can be a place uh, where you can get away from those problems. Sure, you have to take them with you if it's a physical um, or or emotional or psychological problem. You, You bring it with you, but they work with you. And you can find out before you go what will work for you, and uh, I think I think it's absolutely worth taking that step and going and
2: doing it. Absolutely. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to reference in this week's show notes a number of resources that are available both online and in print. Of course, I'll send you over to AllEars.net. Uh, Disney actually has resources. They have a guidebook for guests with disabilities. You can pick those up in the park at the wheelchair rental locations. You can also get a copy in advance if you want, and I'll put that information. There's also a special medical reservations number that you can call if you have questions or when you're booking your trip. And, of course, I I can't recommend highly enough the open mouse for Walt Disney World and actually the Disney Cruise Line, which we didn't even get a chance to touch on. um, This probably is really the definitive resource uh, as it really covers a, a wide, wide range of... Uh, special needs and accommodations and dining and things that we were only able to touch on here um, but the point clearly is that anybody and everybody can and should enjoy that all Walt Disney World has to offer and I want to thank each and every one of you Larry Heidenberg, Chet McDonnell Josh Olive, Deb Coma, and Deb Wills for joining me and, uh, and helping us talk about what I think is really really an important topic
5: Well, thank you, Lou, for taking the time to dedicate a podcast to this. Really appreciate it.
0: Yes, thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, Lou, a whole lot. Awesome. Excellent.
2: Thank you also very much. I really appreciate it.
6: Next few minutes are in the lap of the gods and the hands of the Beatles.
4: I'm Ringo and I play the drums.
1: Well, uh, I'm Paul and I play the uh, uh, bass. <laughs> I'm George and I play a guitar. <whistles> I'm John and I too play a guitar. Sometimes I play the fool.
2: We often talk or read about celebrities in Walt Disney World, whether they be current guests or even former cast members. But we often don't hear some of the more personal stories about their experiences there. And sometimes these stories involve events that are quite significant, as in the case of my next guest. For many people may not know the connection between Walt Disney World and what many people consider to be the demise and breakup of the greatest musical group of our time. For it was Walt Disney World that the Beatles finally broke up, because it's there where John Lennon signed his name to the termination agreement, marking the end of an era in rock music. So many of you actually have emailed me in the past, over the past couple of years, about what some believed was an urban legend. But today, I'm joined by one of the only other people that was there during that historic moment, Mei Pang, a companion to John Lennon, whose relationship spanned 10 years. Ms. Pang is going to join me today to talk about not just that event, but John Lennon's experiences in Walt Disney World, and Ms. Pang, I want to welcome you to the WDW Radio Show.
6: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Urban legend, that's interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, and I say that because I received some emails from listeners over the years saying, you know, I heard a story that the Beatles broke up in Walt Disney World, and, and that's not really true, isn't it? Didn't it happen here, or didn't it happen there? So for a lot of people, they're not really sure that that's, you know, really what happened.
6: Well, you know, in, 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 let's, let's put it this way. The Beatles, as a group, officially on paper, you know, the, I guess the band, in, in, in one sense, had already disbanded in their mind emotionally, but now this was actually the physical where you have to finally say, we have to finally put this down on paper with all the lawyers and all the stuff and, and, um, and finally uh, make it official. And making it official, John signed the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the papers the agreement papers down in uh, uh, Disney World in 1974. And uh, it was, we were staying at the Polynesian Hotel.
2: Right. Now, let's just step back for a second, because everybody else was up in New York, you know, a couple of days earlier at the plaza signing all the papers. John decides not to go, and, and he misses the meeting, and then you, he, and I guess Julian leave New York City, and you head down to Disney World.
6: Well, what happened was we all had agreed, everybody, all the lawyers had agreed that signing in New York would have been the best time, and it was the best um, moment, you know, for everybody's schedule to be there. Ringo did not come to New York. He had already uh, pre-signed it in, in England because, you know, because we were involved in a lawsuit um with uh, with Alan Klein at the time, and um, and you know Ringo didn't want to be subpoenaed for any, any type of further action on that one, so he says I'll find it outside. Everybody said that's fine, but he was already he was uh, sitting by the phone to say it was really him, and uh, George was in town to do his Dark Horse tour, and Paul flew in, and uh, we were of course living here, so it was easy to to say let's do it in New York and at the Plaza Hotel. Well, uh we're down to the 11th hour and um every you know everybody else is waiting and the only person that doesn't show up is John and I had to break the news to his lawyer to say John isn't coming. <laughs> and uh it was quite it was quite an interesting uh reaction from um, from a few people.
2: <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger, I'm sure. <laughs> uh
6: they were really it was really tough and it wasn't so much from our lawyer that he got the grief from either. Um, you know, he he just asked John what it was, he says, I just can't do it. There's still a clause in there, I'm not happy about and and uh he said, Okay, but it was the lawyer that had to go in there who took a barrage of, of hits from everyone where he walked in to say, My client isn't coming in And I got, um, the next phone call was George Harrison, and, you know, he's, I said, George, do you want to speak to John? He goes, no, you can pass the message on. Meanwhile, the phone was out, and you could hear George very angrily telling me what he wanted to tell John. And I'm looking at John like, you can hear this. I don't need to be the messenger here. And we were just sort of sitting there, and, of course, Paul, Paul and uh, Linda came the next day and over to our house and, and said, okay, let's see, what what can we do? And it was all worked out in a matter of days, and the lawyer brought all the paperwork down. It's not one piece of paper. It's like a ton of <laughs> papers, because you you got to sign for agreement for every little thing. So as the start, you know, I mean, I'm, when I say he's he's like signing pages and pages, um, I managed to capture in my in my new book called Instamatic Karma, all my photos um, that I just put out, this uh Oh, now it's last year, um, it uh, it shows as John John inking the signature. He basically is the last one. He, he was the first one to start this band. He's the last one to break it up, you know? And he has, his signature is the last one, and you see all the other three above him.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's great that you're able to, obviously, be the only person to capture, you know, that and so many other moments, um, so many other historic moments, really, in the book. But let, let's just talk about the trip for a second. Was this sort of a last-minute, hey, I've got to get out of here, let's just escape to Florida somewhere and hide away in a hotel? Or was this something that was planned? Was this a Christmas vacation?
6: Oh, it was a planned Christmas vacation. Um, we had come down, um, we were thinking of going away, and, and lo and behold, um, uh, a, a record a person um, in the music business, and uh, a very um, infamous uh, name, uh, Morris Levy, from roulette Records, said well i have a place down in in florida i you know i have a place in west palm beach because you could use my condo and uh, it'll be fine you know and i have a son and 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 you know and he he knew that we were bringing julian so he says come on down so we went uh so we stayed at at his condo and um and then he says hey let's all go to, to disney world which was perfect you know so we knew you know it was sort of semi planned out
2: now, is this something that that you guys had ever done before? Had you ever gone to Disney before? Uh, you know, any of the parks, Disney World or Disneyland?
6: Well, we went to Disneyland first the year before, and of course, we went to and Disneyland at that point um, in '73, uh, beginning of '74, somewhere around there. Um, was you know was still small. They, they didn't expand on a lot. Uh, Disney World was the was the bigger, you know, more improved version, as it were. But at that time, at Disneyland in 73, was great for, for Julian. I mean, he hadn't seen it, so he was having a great time. And when we went to the one in, in, in 74 in Disney World, which was a little bit, I guess they, they put a couple of things in, you know, that uh, it was more, you could tell it was updated at right. that point. And, you know, for kids, it's always a good time.
2: Now, you know, I'm trying to imagine John Lennon walking around the Magic Kingdom in 1974. Uh, you know, did you guys make it into the parks? Did, did you ride rides? Is this something he, he Oh, absolutely.
6: Doing? We got a chance to go on all the rides that we wanted to go <laughs> on. I mean, they saw it was John. It was great. And there's a couple of pictures of him in the mist in the crowd. And John would turn to me and say to me, you know, um, one of the best things that could happen is that it's, it's packed. And I looked at him, and I said, why, well, he goes, because people don't notice me. When, the, when there's less crowds, as you're walking around, people start to notice other people.
2: True. Now, did you guys tour sort of as, you know, quote-unquote regular guests, or did you have like a VIP tour guide and, and were sort of taken around?
6: Oh, I was, um, I, was, I was, we had a tour guide as well.
2: Now, as you went through the parks, did you sort of tour as, as quote-unquote, regular guests, or did you have, you know, a, a VIP tour guide provided from Disney?
6: Uh, there was a tour guide that came around with us, or you know, and and, um, and uh, if I remember, I I believe we just sort of uh, went around whatever we wanted to do, and you know, they just came they just came with us, you know, and, and um, we, we saw whatever we wanted to see.
2: Now, did, did you and, and John did you ride the rides or was it really just sort of watching Julian?
6: Oh, he was a kid. Oh no, we rode some of the rides, you know, the the uh, Matterhorn and things like that. We just didn't want to go on anything that spun us around.
2: <laughs> so so you were not teacup fans i assume
6: yeah the teacup family was not going to happen <laughs> for us you know but uh uh definitely um you know any of the other rides we could go on i mean we had a great time and you know we come out and we almost felt guilty that you know where everybody was having um they were waiting online we were just being snuck in somewhere else you know
2: and are those sort of the times that people would realize hey that you know and start just to, to point to hey that's John Lennon.
6: Yeah, you know, you get that feeling, you go, Oh then they realize who it is and they go, Oh my God, you know, they're first, so who is that cutting the line and all of a sudden they go, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness, you know? And it was fun. I mean, um we like I said, you know, John liked the idea that, you know, if it was crowded a bit, you, you weren't they didn't notice it was him, so we wouldn't get stopped so easily. And it it always it, it, you know, that, that he always told me that. He says, you know, when it's packed, it, it's a little easier on me because people don't notice it's me. And, in fact, if you look at the, the photo, um, you know, on, on, uh, in one, there's a photo in my book. He's just standing in the middle of the crowd. Nobody realized it's him.
2: Well, that's and that's what I was going to ask thing. you, if, if you had any photos in the book of him in the parks.
6: Oh, yeah. Just, just standing right in the middle. I have a picture of Julian in the teacup with Mal. I have, um, there's a you know there's a couple of uh, of shots. There's one where uh, Morris Levy's standing there with uh, his son and Julian, and I, I believe he's wearing a um, Mickey Mouse, you know, Mickey Mouse ears on the, on on his, on, um, on his son, you know, Adam. So it's like there are there are a couple of shots here and there where we're in, we're in uh, Disney, you know, we're in Disney World and Disneyland. Right now, you and
2: it, you actually happen to spend Christmas of 1974 there. Do you remember what? You guys may have done to to celebrate Christmas around there.
6: Well, we sat. We were at um, we were at West Palm Beach, and John and There's a picture of us where where Julian actually gave uh, John a pair of you know these joking uh, Joker type glasses where it's, it has windshield wipers on them. You know, <laughs> so John put them over his regular glasses, and he's holding the the battery as it's, as the windshield wipers are going. <laughs> and it's, it was funny. It was cute. So we had, we had a good time, and then right, right, uh, I think the next day or so, we, we, we tried it off to, to Disney did World. It. And, and uh, it, it's, it's kind of uh, funny, you know, to, to be in a, a place like that.
2: And that's what I was going to ask you, you know, sort of with everything that was going on, you know, the magnitude of, of what was happening or about to happen, did he really sort of let himself enjoy himself and his time with Julian, or was he sort of maybe preoccupied with what was about to happen?
6: No, he was he was actually enjoying himself. He, um, John was in the moment with his son, and it was great fun. We, you know, whatever it was, he came down for relaxation, and and he enjoyed. We went swimming. I mean, you know, he loved to just swim, and so his son. So it was like, um, so it was good fun. So you, a good time.
2: You guys are staying at the Polynesian on December twenty ninth. Let's talk about what happens. Those voluminous documents, I'm sure, come down. He actually signed those. He signed those in his room at the Poly.
6: Yep, he signed those documents. Right, the, law, the lawyer came down. We greeted him, and and are um, sitting in the in the uh, hotel, and and it was Julian and and me and and, and John and the lawyer, and um, we're sitting there, and he's going over, and then it shows there's a there's a, a couple of photos. You just see him just going over, getting on the phone, making sure last minute with you know with his lawyer, Harold Sider, he's just making sure that everything's okay, and and then um, he starts to ink, you know, he puts his pen to the paper, and so the signature on there is mid-signature, I catch him in mid-signature, I totally forgot I even had these photos, mm. I mean, when I was doing this book, I was going through all these negatives, and I'm going, what is this, I have no idea, and I'm, I scan it, and I bring it up, and I went, oh! And I have no, you know, it's, it's, at the time I was taking it, okay, I'm just doing it. And John wanted me to just take the photo and just go for it. And I didn't even have a flash, so I had to really hold my, my camera steady. We're sitting in, and, and Polly was not exactly, uh, you know, the rooms were not exactly bright. Right. You know, so, and I'm like trying to make it work. And, and I got something out of there. I got a few. Hmm. And is it? So it was quite interesting.
2: I'm sure. And, and, you know, it's great that he asks you basically to take out your camera and, you know, do you sort of realize as this is happening that the magnitude of, of what that simple signature represents?
6: You know, at the time, I guess not. You know, you don't think so. You think it's because it's every day because he was always signing something. And it's only afterwards that you sit back and because, you know, when you're running and you're um, you're doing everything you know, all the time, you don't think and say, wow, this is history. Um, this is in the making right here. You know, you're just doing it. Right. And so it really did, and it's only upon reflection about what happened. So I realize I'm the only person that ever caught that on, on you know in a sense on, on tape, on 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 some on some film. I'm the only one that ever caught him signing and break the breakup of the Beatles.
2: Exactly, and that's why you know when I saw the picture, you know, you sort of realize how powerful that moment you know really is to you know to especially to music fans and to Beatles fans. Uh, anything else that you remember specifically about about that trip to Disney World? Either moments that that John had or that Julian had that really sort of stick out in your mind.
6: Well, you know, the one we were on our way back to the room, and we were sitting on the uh, monorail, and. Um, and, you know, John's facing me, and, and uh, we're just facing each other, you know, with our friends, and I'm just facing him. And right behind me, a whole bunch of people had come in, and this, this father leans over to his son. He said, Hey, son, you know, I hear that there was a beetle in, in, in Disney World. He's here in Disney. He goes, Really? Who do you think? Who? Which one? He goes, Oh, I think it's George Harrison. <laughs> and I started breaking up in laughter. And John's looking at me with this, like, and and I, you know, and he goes, he goes, what? What are you laughing about? And I tell him the story. I lean over and I tell him, and he we just burst it out in laughter. And the guy got sort of, like, annoyed, like, what's all this laughter? What's all this noise? And he realized, as <laughs> he's getting off, he looks up and he went, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's why it was very funny. And to, uh, that moment that all of a sudden the, the recognition went, oh, it ain't George. <laughs> And we've been sitting here because he got annoyed because we were making noise laughing. Now you know
2: for the rest of his life that guy said I rode the monorail with, with John Lennon. That's yes. going to be his claim to fame. So
6: right, <laughs> that will be his claim to fame. So I, no, I, mean, I guess
2: it. I guess when John was in the parks, he didn't necessarily try and disguise himself and cover up his head and and you know and you know, go around quietly. I mean if people saw him he he was amenable to people coming over and saying Oh hello.
6: absolutely. You know, they came they came up, they when the people the few that did recognize him he did he would, you know, do autographs and um and do all the stuff and then and then uh, you know it was it was good fun and then of course he would then say, Listen, it's time we gotta go you know, have fun everyone you know, he was he was great. I mean he was great with that. He great. enjoyed it. And you think and, in and you general, know, he didn't well I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he didn't cover up. It's like, you know, he wore his his uh his hat, his jeans and, you know, we were off and running.
2: Right. And and sort of on a general sense, do you think was he a fan of the Disney movie? You know, did he watch Disney movies with Julian or listen to any of the music?
6: I mean, he was so aware, you know, he I I think um I don't know if you would say he watched Disney movie unless it was something that he wanted to watch and, you know, was made by Disney. But he he was a he you know he loved it he was like a kid also himself you know mickey mouse and and, and everybody else and um there are pictures of of john wearing a mickey mouse shirt hmm. that some some photographer has taken of us you know so there you know he's wearing the the gray the gray shirt and wearing mickey great well <laughs>
2: Your time with John, it's often been referred to as the, the quote-unquote the lost weekend, but clearly it extends far, far beyond that. And you recount so many of the stories and the time that you spent with him really through pictures, like you said, through your book. It's called Instamatic Karma. People can actually get that at com. I'll link that up in the show notes, as well as places like amazon.com. Thank you so much for sharing these stories about John and his family in Walt Disney World with us. Um, it was really, really great to hear from you about that. So, May, May Pang, thanks so much.
6: Thank you for having me. And the world-
2: It's time to announce the winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest. As you remember, I asked you three questions and a bonus question last week. If you got them all right, you were put into a pool. I randomly selected a winner from all the correct entries. But before I tell you who won, let's look back and see what the questions and correct answers were. First question was, in Ellen's Energy Adventure at the Universe of Energy... Bill Nye borrows three items from Ellen. What are they? And they were a clothespin, aluminum foil, and a candle. For the second question, I asked you what the name is of the presidential suite at Disney's Polynesian Resort. And that is the King Kamahameha Suite. And if you could say it three times fast, you got bonus points, although it did not count towards your score. And the third question was... As part of my Epcot Retrospective series, we looked at the old CommuniCorps Pavilion, and I talked to you about the Person of the Century poll that was conducted there. The question was, who eventually won and was named Person of the Century? And the correct answer was, it was not a trick question, no one. They closed the poll, they removed the poll before they ever announced a winner. Now, I also asked you a bonus question that you didn't need to get right in order to be put into the pool of winners. But if you did, and your name was selected, you won a special secret bonus prize. And the bonus question was this. Peg-legged Pete, who was the salty old pirate that used to be the, the barker bird outside Pirates of the Caribbean before the refurb in around 2006, was unfortunately taken away. But fortunately for us, he did find a new home somewhere else, and that is in the World of Disney Store in Downtown Disney. And the question I asked you was, he's now known by a different name. What is it? What is Peg-Legged Pete now known as at his new little perch in the World of Disney Store in Downtown Disney? And I received lots of interesting answers to this. And uh, after conferring with the judges, me, I came to the decision that I would have taken one of two answers on this. And why? Well, first, because I'm a nice guy and I want people to win. And second, because he's either having some type of identity crisis, or there's more than one of these birds, or Disney just maybe isn't sure what to call him. And the answer that I was looking for was Patch, or Captain Patch. And I based that on him telling me so when I was there a couple of weeks ago.
3: Hi there, it is Captain Patcher!
2: Sorry for the poor quality of the audio there. I was trying to capture him and not the screaming six-year-old girl, not my kid, next to me. Uh, But you can hear him say, Captain Patch here, call me Patch, ahoy there, mateys, yada, yada, yada. So I would have taken Patch or Captain Patch, but a lot of you emailed me with another name that I would have accepted as well, and that was Pollyanna. Yeah, I I know, Pollyanna. And it looks like you all seem to get your information from the same location, which was the World of Disney store page on DisneyWorld.com. There it reads, The Adventure Room. Enter a realm where the heroes and adventures of ages past, present, and future converge, yada yada yada. Come face to face with the amazing audio-animatronic pirate, Rusty Blade, and his talking parrot, Pollyanna, and play the latest in Disney interactive video games, blah blah blah. So, Unless there is another parrot that is with Rusty Blade, because this parrot that I was looking at that called himself Patch, that looks a whole lot like Peg Leg Pete, was not, I don't believe, with Rusty Blade. So maybe there is another parrot located somewhere else, but I would have taken that answer anyway. So Patch, Captain Patch, Pollyanna, any of those would have been good. But uh, this week's winner, who got all three of the questions correct, is Jessica Hummer. Now, Jessica, unfortunately, did not get the bonus question. So she lost out on the Ferrari, the transatlantic Disney Cruise and the 30,000 DVC points at Bay Lake Towers. I'm kidding, of course. But she does get the 2009 Walt Disney World trivia page a day calendar, a copy of the Main Street USA audio guide on CD and the new WDW radio show button that she can wear in the parks with pride. And, of course, she also gets the pair of snazzy Dream Mickey ears. Thanks to Brett from the Disney World Moms panel for that. So, Jessica, please send me your address and I'll get that prize package out to you right away. And so, since I didn't give away the bonus prize, which is not a Ferrari or a Disney Cruise or any DVC points, let me be clear that I was completely joking, since there is still a bonus prize left, I have a lot of other stuff I want to give away, Let's do another contest this week So I thought we'd go back to Maybe picking a theme For the contest and since my Interview this week was sort of Tied to celebrities at Walt Disney World why don't we stay there So here you go here are your three Questions for this week First who played The evil supreme Leader in Captain EO Number two John Ritter from Three's Company fame, for all you 80s fans like myself, hosted the opening of the Disney MGM Studios in 1989. His father can be heard in what Walt Disney World attraction? Third, who provided the voice of the timekeeper in Tomorrowland? So I want the Supreme Leader. I want John Ritter's dad. You know, where could he be heard? And who was the voice of the timekeeper? Now, the bonus question this week. I talked about the Golden Oak Outpost opening in the news earlier in the show that is not going to be serving McDonald's branded foods anymore. Of course, I had to get food in here somehow, right? So what is the only place left in the Magic Kingdom that still serves McDonald's branded foods? There's only one place. McDonald's, as you know, is a sponsor. They're found throughout the parks. But there's only one place left in the Magic Kingdom where you can buy McDonald's branded foods. What is that called? And I guess since Ronald McDonald is somewhat of a celebrity, there is a celebrity tie-in for that question. So if you win, if you get all three of them correct, again, you don't have to get the bonus question right. You get the calendar. The Main Street Audio Guide on CD, The Button, and The Dream Mickey Ears. You have until 11.59 p.m. and 59 seconds on Saturday, January 31st, 2009. To get your answers in via email to lou at wdwradio.com. Remember, just one winner this week that's going to be randomly selected from all the correct entries. It's more important to be right than to be first. I hope you guys are enjoying these contests. I'm really having a good time putting these together every week for you. So good luck. Have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Big thanks to all of my guests this week, including all of my very special guests on this week's roundtable. Visit Deb Wills and Deb Coma over at allears.net. You can also check out Chet McDonnell's website and blog over at chetmcdonnell.com. May Pang's website is instamatickarma.com. And if you want to purchase the Open Mouse book by Deb Wills and Deb Coma or Instamatic Karma, you can purchase those directly from amazon.com. I'll put links right in this week's show notes. Thanks, as always, to all of you for calling into the voicemail, playing the contest, or sending in an email. Remember, if you have an email, a question you want read on the air... You can email me, Lou, at wdwradio.com. If you want to be heard on the air, you can call the voicemail toll-free, 888-703-2171. Thanks also to my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. You can get a free, no-obligation quote for any Disney vacation from Becky and her team over at mousefantravel.com. Quick reminder, if you are going to be in Walt Disney World on Friday, February 13th, we're going to have February's WDW radio show, Meet of the Month at 12 o'clock at the Flame Tree Barbecue over in Disney's Animal Kingdom. We're going to be down in the lower seating area, down by the river. If you want to join us to hang out, chat, have some lunch, whatever, I'll give you more details as we get closer. We had a great time in January's first meet of the month. Looking forward to doing these each and every month for the rest of the year. So if you can't make it down in February, don't worry. I will be back again in March. I will be doing this for the rest of the year. Stay tuned to the show the website, the forums, Facebook, Twitter, for more updates as to when the next meet of the month is going to be. And again, I'll try and plan these out as far in advance as possible so you guys know when and where we will be. You know I love coming down to the parks and meeting up with as many of you as possible, so hopefully you can join us. But what if you can't? What if maybe you just can't get down to Walt Disney World, still want to connect and communicate and interact? Well, stay tuned for the next WDW Radio Live That's where I'll be broadcasting online, live, with audio and video. And although it's kind of one way, you can just hear me, there is a chat room that you can come in. We did it a couple of weeks ago. We had a lot of people that joined us. uh, And again, I was surprised we went for about six hours, starting at 8 o'clock at night. Um, Do the math, you can figure out what time we finally got off. But we had a great time and really uh, enjoy communicating with you guys this way. So I'll try and announce these as far in advance as possible. But one of the best ways to get an update is to follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Lou Mangiello. Sign up there for free. You'll get instant updates as I post them via email, text message, however you want uh, on your Twitter page. Those will also be posted to Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, you can uh, firm me up over there. Both of those links are also in the show notes. Uh, last couple of times I've done it, it was sort of spur of the moment. I announced it earlier in the day and did it at 8 or 9 o'clock at night Eastern Time, so uh, I will definitely, definitely do it again. Stay tuned for that. really is a lot of fun. Remember, too, if you want to comment on the show, talk about it with more than 30,000 other members, head on over to the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. That's fun. That's free. Very friendly. Very welcoming. Please come by and join us there. Uh, Lots and lots of good stuff. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, and I know I'm teasing you, but that's part of the fun. But I promise you, I've got I've got some uh, really interesting things that I'm going to announce and I'm going to uh, roll out in the next couple of weeks. So definitely stay tuned. Don't forget to Celebrations Magazine. If you want to subscribe or get back issues, you can go to CelebrationsPress.com. And if you want to purchase any of my my books, audio guides, CDs, downloads, calendars, you can get all that stuff right from the shop over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. Of course, my friends, thank you very much for taking the time and tuning in again this week. If you want to help, please don't forget, help spread the word, let other people know about the show. So until next time, remember, always keep moving forward. See ya. Hey. hey hello, it's
1: Stuart
6: from from the UK. Um, I just want to say, great show, and uh, I don't know if I'm
1: calling on Skype, so it might not work. But uh, we're going to Walt Disney World at the end of March, and I can't wait. I'm sitting here, and it's grey, and it's raining, and it's just not very nice, and I I can't wait to um, get some of that Florida sun, and uh, see Mickey, and Minnie, and Donald, and yeah, Donald's the best, let's be honest. But uh, great show,
5: and uh, see you soon. Hi, Lou. This is Kelly from Savannah, Georgia. I just got finished listening to episode 96 and wanted to give you some of my most tearful memories of, of uh, the parks and the magic that's within them. And they all pertain with experience, the experiences we had with, uh, with my son. And we decided to have Magic Kingdom as our last park of our trip.
1: And as we're leaving... Um, the parade was going through. We had already seen the earlier
5: parade, and so we just stood there right at the the entrance and watched the the parade finally go through the, the circle there, and Mickey was there, and my son is saying, Hi, Mickey. You got me. I'm crying, but what a magical moment. What a magical way to end the park. Thanks for your podcast. We love it. Bye.
3: Hello, Lou. This is
4: Sean from uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, just uh, calling to say that uh, we've just finished a week at uh, Disney World. Didn't have a chance to call you from the parks, but uh, all throughout the week we were sending pictures to Twitter uh, to follow your example and sharing them with uh, friends and, and family. And we had a great week, even though it was a little cold uh, here in January, but uh, had a great time and uh, wanted to thank you for everything you do on the radio
1: show. Keep it up and uh, keep moving forward. Have a good one hey lou it's mark from indiana we're here in the park today at the magic kingdom just wanted to let you know that the golden oak outpost has opened in the former uh, fry cart location uh also another rumor that we just heard is that they're going to take splash mountain down uh starting in april for six months as well seems kind of odd that they do space and splash at the same time but there you have it straight from of course a cast member see ya Hey Lou, this is um, Sam, one of your listeners,
6: and um, about the 23th, the 23 thing, asking are you 23 years old, I mean, yeah, are you 23, I I'm. I looked it up, the only things close to that year that were important to Disney were 20 years ago from 2009, MGM Studios opened, and then the other closest date I could get was Pleasure, Pleasure Island opening, but Pleasure Island is closing soon, so it's couldn't make sense or no sense at all. See, if Pleasure Island closes near March 10th, there could be one final blowout party until they all close, or I'm just not hitting it right. I'm still looking, but that's the closest date I could find. Try Google News, it'll help out. Love your show. Bye. Hey, Lou, this is Kyle. Uh, I actually just heard your segment about, uh, in the news, you were talking about uh, the RU23 site. Uh, that Disney put up, and I heard that it is possibly um, like a Blu-ray uh, release sort of celebration thing, um, that 23 Blu-ray uh, videos are going to be released on March 10th. That's what I've heard. I'm really
5: not sure uh, about what it could be, So, but I'm really excited to hear uh, what it is. So uh, keep up the great work with the show, and
6: I will... Uh, Keep on listening. So thanks. Bye.